Uh, yeah, man, this was a long week for me. I don't know how you felt. Uh, yeah, what was that? It was our first full five-day week, I think, since the oh, okay. new semester started. Yeah. So that's probably part of it. It just, it just felt like it dragged, so it was just kind of going on for a while. Gotcha. So I was ready for the for the weekend. And then um, as far as even this conversation, I know like we kind of left on a, uh, an, a note of uncertainty last week. Yeah. And then I was just trying to think of, of stuff that, that caught my eye over the course of the week. Just, you know, that kind of grabbed my attention and forced me to think about things a little bit. Um, and I had a couple of things. I had a friend of mine, like just randomly share a writing prompt with me, which I consider a little bit, but I don't, you know, it's not long for anything. It was, it was, uh, it was world peace and illusion it was like, just, it was, I think it was like, he, he may have just stumbled upon it somewhere. So, I mean, the basic answer for me was yes. So, but I thought I considered it a little bit more and to explain it, but it's like, eh, I don't know if that's got a lot of, I mean, I think it can have a lot of mileage for a conversation, but it would probably, be, you know, consider, um, sure. More forethought. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say my, my glib answer without thinking about it would be like, I don't think it's an illusion. I mean, anything's possible, I guess would be my answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think cause my very, um, matter of fact response to him was, uh, as far as current reality is concerned, it's an illusion. And it was sure. probably only possible um, if human beings cease to exist. Mm. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> I mean, I, I think if we solved um, like, if we had some like technology that sort of solved inequality problems, I think, I think world peace could be possible. Yeah, I mean, that was some stuff I was kind of trying to consider, like, you know, the origin of Conflict. violent conflict on a grand scale was primarily over resources right so you've got yeah. um whether it's land or you know as of late it's been like you know oil stuff but it's been you know access to water in the past uh, uh, you know gold and other minerals and whatever else sure um but it did evolve or devolve depending on how you want to look at it like away from just a, a pure resource thing to the point where a lot of war became ideological, right, over ideology. And then I think that that's the thing that even if you can make all things equal, right, as far as resources are concerned, I still think that people are too different, mm. right? You know, in the sense that like, you know, there's, there's some people that just think so differently um, that they might not, you know, I think because one of the things that I posed as I was writing more about it, I didn't respond in the sense, but I just kind of just had a, a train of, or a, oh, what do you call that stream of consciousness sort of writing in response to it was just that um, like he, he, men by nature or humans by nature are or, always like at a, <laughs> at a point of inner conflict. And I think that ultimately that will, that does spill out towards other people. And then the more people you get, the, the more opportunity there is for like the great conflict between tribes or countries or whatever else you'd like to call it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to, I feel like I'm, yeah. Uh, kind of like you already said, I feel like I'm mildly inadequately equipped to even tackle it just because I don't, I feel like I don't know enough about like human conflict historically. Right. I have yeah. like a, I have an impression that, or a suspicion that sometimes ideology is used as a mask for what it is still just like material <laughs> access to material goods. Sometimes um, <clears throat> I just think about like at least modern conflicts, like the people that we support, um, even they're like, like we're, for example, like we're big supporters of like Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. America is, and ideologically they couldn't be more <laughs> like, uh, I mean, opposed to what we like to conceptualize as like American freedoms or whatever. Right. Um, or maybe they, maybe they're closer. I don't know. I'd have to learn more about Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but I just think like, yeah. yeah I wonder, and that seems to be driven primarily by access to their oil and their wealth, I suppose. Right. 
Yeah, so I think that that's true in the extent, and again, like this would maybe be a, another question to, to recycle after we, because you and sure. I talked about reading um, the Scott Horton uh, uh, and yeah. as it relates to that specific issue, and there's other war issues as well. Um, but if we think about that particular one, like all of the conflict in the Middle East, is like it's it's resource based as far as like the U.S. involvement, but it seems very ideologically based within the region, right? Like the people that are warring there is sure. seems like it's more about some ideological difference than it is purely about resources. We're sure. just getting involved with it or supporting a certain side because like oh, like we can get something out of this, right? right. You know. Um, so I still think that there's a point where like, yes, there is the, the resource uh, allocation as sort of an incentive for other parties to get involved. Um, but it does seem like there is a huge ideological thing there. And then even say if we were going to take the or boil down like the, you know, world peace thing all the way down. It, it, so you, we might be able to get rid of like global scale war and to be fair sure. like we, we have minimized that quite a bit since the turn of the century right like our since world, after world war ii right like pretty much mm -hmm. every war following world war ii has been on a relatively relatively small scale right um but there's still wars and conflicts that that kind of like kind of come about so maybe not war necessarily but conflict still disrupt so you still got you know, um, riots and protests and, you know, things that happen on a much smaller scale. But I think that, that, that goes to your point earlier, like, oh, well, these people wouldn't be rioting or protesting if we um, solved uh, the equality equation or, you know, yeah. whatever, you, the equality problem, if you want to call it that. Sure, I guess, yeah, I guess that, and that kind of brings up two different things, which is like, one, I mean, I agree with you broadly, like, I don't think in my lifetime, like world peace is going to be achieved. I think it's like a ways down the road, but um, if, if at all, but then I think the other question is like, what is world? Cause if we're, if we're saying world peace implies there are, are zero like interpersonal conflicts, then yeah, I would agree. Like that's probably never going to happen. But my conceptualization would be like, yeah, like more like warfare between like states or groups. Yeah, you know? and I, I think that's yeah. that's probably the the motive behind the question, right? Is more like, oh, like how do we end a large scale war and conflict, yeah. right? So, um, I think there will always be people mad about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I guess like just to kind of like you know go on with this conversation a little bit so would the you think the only solution um in the future would be like something that's completely globalist yes yeah i mean i mean it, oh well i mean i get if we're talking like sci-fi like either some sort of globalist you know world one world government type star trek-esque situation old star trek not new star trek <laughs> um where like you know basic human needs are accounted for there's a magic machine that can create whatever you want right out of like restructuring atoms or whatever um and that everyone has like employment should they want it on these like whatever government whatever it is um or i guess like if you're looking at like <laughs> i guess you could say like i don't know i mean maybe not having that would be possible. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a a, 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 a non one world government solution to not even maybe not even one world government, but like um, body a governing body that's like united. But um, so like in a you know what if you want to call it an objective third party kind of thing. Yeah, like if, I mean, say if like the whatever, if it was, I say whatever too much. I realized that when I re-listened to our last podcast. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so would it be uh, something like an expanded UN, or maybe where? Yeah. You know, you like, hey, like we're all part of this, um, you know, organizational structure where we just kind of make agreements with each other to to just s essentially stay out of each other's business, right? I uh, think that's barring, um, you know, huge uh, human rights violations or something like that, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess in this hypothetical, like the UN would have more power than the individual nations, because as it stands, at least my impression is that that isn't the case. And that, that like the UN can be like, hey, guys, let's all agree to not do this. And then it doesn't. The powerful nations can just be like, yeah, F off. Right. Um, we're not going to do that or whatever. And there's nothing the UN, the UN doesn't really have any teeth to enforce those things. Um, but again, that's probably a ways down the road. And there, you know, there's a lot of arguments about like, I don't, you know, like right now, because like countries are like at different stages of development, like certain rules don't seem fair for, you know, like, oh, you guys already got to do your little industrial revolution and mm -hmm. do all this crap and now sure. you're now you're telling us we can't do it or you know that kind of stuff and i i see the arguments there um but yeah i guess i guess in this sci-fi future it would be like a, a a un i mean i guess there's like also the gosh i don't know i guess there could be like a non-centralized piece i don't really know how that would work though yeah is it possible looking at it from a completely Western perspective, or at least a, an American perspective, if we, for the most part, became very content with what we have, which again, as a, a country, we are, we do have a multitude of resources right across, you know, a broad geographical location. And like, Hey, you know what, like we can make do with what we have. We're going to basically scale back foreign intervention, so on and so forth. I mean, do you think that being like a, a leading force in kind of global entanglement, so it would kind of fall on probably like the U.S., Russia, and then maybe China too. Oh, God, this goes back to the 1984 thing, but it's just kind of like, hey, let's just keep to ourselves more of like a gentleman's agreement where, you know, people are, are able to sort of do as they please just in their neck of the woods. Um, again, barring some massive human rights you know, issue, which is always kind of hard to say what's what with that as well, right? Because one, you know, they can completely uh, go under the table where we don't really know what's going on in certain countries mm -hmm. um, as far as how bad things are. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, because I'm just trying to think of like what would seem like a realistic way of it happening, because I think the sci-fi thing is or as you mentioned, so whether it's like the Star Trek world, where that's a very positive spin on it, we're like, hey, we have everything we'd want for, we're taken care of. Um, and there is still like the element of, of productivity there. Um, whereas like you can take the, so that's like the utopian view of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can take the dystopian view of it, which isn't even like violent, or it's not even oppressive in the sense that we might think of it, like we talked about last week. But something that's sort of similar, at least as far as what it grants people, is like the world of Wally, right? Yeah. Where the humans like, hey, you have everything you need. Like, here's your food, here's your drink. Like, you don't need to do anything. Like, you're taking right. everyone here is taken care of. Um, but then, like, it, it remove it, it. Kind of just points out maybe the idea that if you are given everything, you will be less motivated to go out and do. Whereas, I mean, Star Trek solves that problem by offering exploration right like, hey like yeah. there's like yeah we've kind of solved everything here but there are you know worlds and worlds uh, beyond our galaxy to to just investigate and look at and learn from um so it, it gave our it, it gave those people purpose right it, it kind of right. in, in embedded a purpose there um to create the motivation through the federation or whatever it might be but what would mm -hmm. be like you're saying like it's just other than like some huge you know globalist one world government thing i i just i don't know if i do see like world peace on that scale and that goes back to me saying um because of humans like you aren't really ever going to have that because i think there is something amongst the that's where the ideology comes in right so even like i think a lot of different places like they just like well we don't want to do things that way right in certain sure. corners of the world they have different things that they value more or value less or what have you, where I think it would be really, really hard to pull off without that sci-fi element of like, hey, here's our resource machine, right? Here's the resource yeah. machine that everybody gets everything that they need. No one will go hungry. No one's going to die in the cold or the heat of the, you know, in the wild, whatever else it is. Um, no, I mean, I tend to agree. I mean, my, my thought is that, may, that that, I mean, you know, the future is, 
fairly open. I mean, there's a lot of, I don't know. I think a lot about like <laughs> the things we have now that I'm sure, you know, 2000 years ago, not even probably like 150 years ago, humans would be like, you know, wouldn't imagine that the things we have are possible. Sure. So I don't know what the future could bring in terms of that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. I think, I, I guess I always go back to like, I feel like, and maybe I could be wrong because I don't know that much about conflict, but it seems like as the world gets more economically entangled, that also decreases our willingness to engage in like active conflict, which is maybe why a lot of this stuff is proxy in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but like the larger powers, it's sort of, we just have so much, I don't know, we've just come to the realization that we all share this planet, but then we rely on each other for various things so that's why i don't know if the the separation would work i just think about like you know even like like we want china to stop to lower their their carbon emissions or whatever i mean and that does affect everyone on the planet but at the same time like americans buy a ton of cheap chinese crap mm -hmm. because it's produced so cheaply sure. i don't know and that makes me think of the the sort of the those kind of conflicts I feel like can't be solved by separating ourselves, or I don't even know if it's possible to separate ourselves unless Americans are willing to pay like what it costs to like buy American. I mean, I, I think a lot of Americans talk about buying American, but then when they look at the price tag, I think a lot of them would uh, secretly buy their crap on Amazon from China. <laughs> I yeah. I, yeah. I do tend to think that's, that's pretty true. Right. So people, um, they want what's, cheapest right or i mean yeah. not, not necessarily what's cheap it's you know there's uh you know it's the world of trade-offs so it's like well what's how can i get the most for the the least right like i want to get right. a, a pretty quality thing but i don't want to have to overpay for it right um and there is some truth to that right where if we had more american produced things because of our labor laws and whatever else um it would just be more expensive like just to, to yeah. purchase those things here or to, or to produce them here to produce them here then therefore to purchase them here um, would make it more expensive based on our current economic system. Um, so there is truth to that. And then you might bring up, or, or like you were talking about, at least environmentally, like, would that just sort of shift though? Like the, the, the you know, the production or whatever of pollution. It's like, okay, well now that they aren't produced or yeah, they don't have as much production because people are producing <laughs> elsewhere. Does that just, are, are, would we be polluting more to produce similar things? True. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, and that just occurred. I haven't thought that much about it. I know that supposedly, right, in, in uh, China, and then maybe they've even said like India or something, those are actually two of the bigger like pollutant, um, you know, bodies. And that's because, I mean, they just have so many people and they do have a lot of um, kind of like industry there that sort of just produces the smog and the burning of the fuels and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but there's also the point that you made as far as, like economic entanglement and this is where i agree and this is maybe the best way to go about world peace without having the full um global structure or, or at least the, the one world government structure where you have the idea of where uh, goods cross borders like soldiers don't or there's an expression across along those lines where it's like hey if we can trade with each other and just benefit mm -hmm. each other then we aren't going to have to you basically be at war with each other fighting for this stuff. Like, Hey, what do you right. have? That's pretty good. Like, well, we've got this stuff. It's pretty good. Like, let's, let's like just have this within an exchange um, where things kind of move across. And I think that that has become somewhat true when you do consider aspects of a lot of the Western world, because even just within North America, right, we've got Canada, the U S and Mexico, where there is kind of an exchange of at least goods and products that, that, that kind of run and down up and down um, the continent and right. even though that there are issues right like we have issues with certain things that are happening in mexico and then there's a, and then we have a probably a little bit less with canada and I, I wonder if that's just because that's a much less populated area of the world so they don't have as much um you know they're again the less people is less conflict is ultimately sure. how things end up working out but at the same time like none of us are at war with each other right as far as countries go like we're able to uh, kind of freely trade and communicate with each other and and at least up until the pandemic stuff we're able to visit each other's countries with um you know and, and enjoy all of that and that's also true amongst 
uh, almost all of Europe, right? And then even uh, the US's and Canada's relationship with Europe, like, right, there's a lot of trade going back and forth. There's commerce, there's tourism, there's like good relationships. And then the mm -hmm. same thing within, you know, Australia and New Zealand, and then even even parts of Asia, right? Like, like if we consider like Japan and a lot of other parts of like Southeast Asia, when you get to like South Korea or Thailand or Vietnam, like oddly enough, like Vietnam is we have good relationships or has a pretty good global relationship with everybody now. Whereas mm -hmm. we came out of the Vietnam War in the early 1970s. Um, and these people are still able to be their own separate things. And now again, like there's no, it's not like there's zero conflict, right? Like we have conflict with, um, at, you know, immigration conflict with Mexico. And we have a maybe ideological conflict with Canada, but we can still mostly get along. Um, obviously, you have Brexit happening there or Brexit happened, I guess, in the for the yeah. EU, like they kind of stepped apart. But it's like, I think that, you know, British folks can still travel into Europe with maybe no more than people just um, thinking a little bit differently of them, but they're still able to do that, so on and so forth. So I think that there, there is a potential for uh, separate nations right to to coexist peacefully um through like that the the, the free commerce right of the trade of the resources where people need stuff so on and so forth yeah i mean i think <clears throat> i think i agree by and large <laughs> i mean yeah I, I i would like to learn more about like conflict or modern conflict, I guess, because I just don't know that much about it or what it's driven by, or um, yeah, I just don't know that much about it. Like, what what the what the like what ongoing conflicts you know around the world are are yeah sort of driven yeah, by. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Like, I don't I don't have um, a fully understanding of all of it. I agree by by and large that I do think economic entanglements have reduced conflict across the board and maybe you know in some ways <clears throat> in some ways a total reduction is never possible in any sort of i don't know i i i, I um what am i trying to say i i i get frustrated a lot um with like online political commentary or people where it's like if a problem isn't totally solved, then the thing you did was useless or like, you know, kind of like Obamacare. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you didn't totally solve the healthcare problem. Therefore, Obamacare was stupid and useless. We shouldn't have done it. Yeah. But in my opinion, like making things better, I, I guess, I and, and, you know, people get people with my opinion get criticized as being incrementalist, but I feel like that's just the way it goes. And I'm just, I think I'm just being realistic about like <clears throat> how problems resolve or how things slowly get better over time and i, I feel maybe the same way about conflict like <clears throat> there seems to be less conflict again maybe i'm not well informed enough but to me in comparison with what i know about world history it seems like there's less conflict in the world today than there has been historically and that a lot of it seems to be due to that sort of interdependence that we formed with other countries um and I think that's good. I think progress is good. And just because it's not all gone doesn't mean that we aren't on the right path or moving towards something better potentially. But. Right. Well, it's just the, the old adage, like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So we, we yeah. can do good things now, even if it's, again, well, and perfection's also, and that's where I guess like the, the idea of the, the original prompt or whatever right. the question of it being an illusion is still maybe true in the sense that like, it will never be absolute, right? Because like, because right. perfect is, by most metrics here that we know is unattainable, right? So you're never going to have complete reduction of conflict for sure. Uh, there's a point where we can maybe really reduce, um, you know, war to near zero. Like that That right. seems somewhat attainable just based on the progression sure. of, of, of human, of mass human conflict over the span of history. Um, I think it's very possible and you, we'd sort of like to hope that we've reached our apex with World War Two, right, with so many right. countries involved, and then it went down from there. And I think there's a mix of intertwined economics. There's the idea of mutually assured destruction, and you know, right. there's a few different things that sure, kind sure. of like add to all of that. Um, 
but that is true. And that kind of leads me into a second thing that kind of um, piqued my interest this week that relates to even something you said at the very beginning, just the, just the general idea of equality and in, in bringing resources to everybody, getting re- as many resources to as many people as possible uh, without affecting, I guess, other folks. But there, I saw Russell Brand. I don't know if you've listened to much of like his stuff recently or Not ever recently because um, he obviously he came to fame as like i guess a comedian more than anything right sort a comedic of, yeah, actor right so. but like within the last few years like he's just he's done a podcast style thing as well where he just brings up so and he's it's all social political commentary kind of stuff and he's actually a pretty insightful and thoughtful sort of character um and one thing that he, i just a video that i watched it was like a 15 or 20 minute it was a longer little clip of his show so maybe it was a whole episode i don't know um but he was talking about the food system like the the free lunches that are given to uh, families or to students i guess in the uk right i know we have like a free lunch system here as far as our schools are concerned um and part of it was this just intrigued me is because you obviously with a, a lot of these schools are still trying to in the states i mean i'm more familiar with what's happening here is when the this like the schools shut down completely last spring right you know they were still uh, i don't know i don't know how they got them to people but they were still offering the meals right so whether it's that i think sometimes they had like uh they almost like turned the meals on wheels kind of thing but they're bringing them to homes um or whatever else but i guess in the uk like what they were giving or are still giving people, because I guess some of the schools there are most, all of them are maybe still completely shut down. Whereas, in the, you know, here we have, it depends on what state you're in or what county or whatever else sure. is like this, the difference in, in what they're feeding the, the, the kids, right. For, for the people who can't afford to feed their, their kids, uh-huh. like I guess three square meals a day. And, uh, and that's like, a, I think that's like a real issue where again, I am, um, uh, as you know me, like I'm, I'm a pretty anti kind of big government issues like that. But I think that is one thing that I do, I will um, give ground on, if you will, or whatever is like, yeah, kids can't do anything about their situation. Right. <laughs> so yeah. like, I think children should not have to pay for the mistakes of their parents, right? right. In the sense like, hey, yeah, children should have a warm place to sleep at night then they should have food on the table, like kind of across the board. Um, And that seems like it could be a simple enough fix. And in some aspects, like you could say that we've done it Uh, here anyway. I feel like I'm sure there are kids who don't eat. I don't know. I I think that was like the the, the thing that got brought up. And there was a a question of creating that, again, uh, addressing the equality equation, just to at least make sure that kids are taken care of. I was just curious if you had any thoughts on that in a more specific what, range to kids. What uh, what was the deal with the UK thing? I, I don't not They weren't oh. feeding the kids or they Yeah, were, well, uh, they, they were feeding them. Um, and they, I, I didn't look into it beyond the Russell Brand thing. So I didn't look at shared links or whatever else. I guess there had been complaints for like what was being doled out. Right. Okay. So it was like uh, from the pictures I saw, it didn't seem like it was a whole lot. But at the same time, like I'm just trying to like wrap my head around British cuisine because <laughs> yeah. they get like a can of beans and some bread <laughs> and some apples. And then I saw like in the little video they were showing like people putting like beans on bread. I'm like, oh, I guess they do like beans on toast there. That's like a thing. Yeah, it's not a thing here. I don't think it's a thing no. in a lot of other corners of the world. <laughs> um, but I know I've heard that. Exp- oh, it's beans on toast. Sure. Like it's a meal that they do or at least whatever a snack. Um, but it was like, it was like the, the food wasn't highly high quality and it didn't seem like it was enough. Okay. They were just sort of showing, it looked like just what was a, maybe a single mom with just a daughter. Um, and then they were given like their little section of food that was supposed to last three days. Yeah. And again, I didn't look into exactly what was in there, but it was like, they had what looked like a one large can of beans like what looked like what we might equate to like, you know, one of those things like ranch beans or whatever, you know, or the equivalent. I know what you that. mean. Yeah. Um, I think like a, a thing of bread, right? Like a, a loaf of bread and three apples. I think that there was either some juice or milk in there or something. Um, and then they were saying that like that wasn't enough 
for three days because it was that was supposed to last them like three days. So I guess I don't know if they they just get one like on Monday and that's supposed to last until you know through Wednesday and then they get another package Thursday and that should maybe carry them over till the next Monday. I don't know how that works, but that that was like the complaint, right? Um, right. Or that was being addressed. And then part of uh, Brand's further issue was like that that was being addressed by a private company, like the a, a pri like a private corporation or whatever, were the people that were putting the meals together. Um, now I assume that those people are still ultimately being paid by their school districts, much like any of ours are, right? Like our school sure. districts, even with our school lunches, they, yeah, the, the school's the one who's getting those out to the cafeteria or whatever other means, but they have like a private contractor that yeah. they, they go to, to get the food from or, or whatever else it might be. Um, so anyway, he was just kind of bringing, like, I was just trying to wrap my head and maybe I should, this is where, again, I should have done more research on the topic. And I, I've, I've seen some of it in the past in terms of like, just what is, is given out in cafeterias and uh, whether and what's free and what's not. I know like part of like our, uh, the free lunch programs I've seen, like in you know here is it's usually like oh like if it's one for the day right like, oh, it's like a sure. maybe like a piece of fruit whether it's like an apple or a banana it's like a pb and j sandwich or maybe they get you like a a, a, a kind of maybe some more sparse like ham sandwich or something because i know some kids are allergic to peanut butter and or peanuts anyway so they have to like be mindful of that and it's like um a thing of milk or maybe juice yeah. or something and then like that's the lunch so it's like yeah. it's not like a lot but it's like it's like you Some. aren't gonna go hungry if you eat this yeah like you have food um anyway i mean that, that just like as you would mention like the equality thing that was what his kind of sure. broader point was like hey like we and then he, he made the comparisons like oh well that these private schools like they had they bring these lunches to their students it's like well like there's automatic like automatically a difference there right in the sense that you know, the parents are maybe the, if the private school's not open, but part of the deal or part of the tuition, whatever you call it, it's like, oh, like there's a lunch provided, you know, sure. based on the tuition. So now, because you're still asking us to pay the tuition, then we still expect you to feed our kids in some capacity because like we're still paying right. for the food thing. So it's like well, he was making a point like, oh, like the food quality for the private schools is so much better. And I was like, well, obviously. That makes sense. Like, like yeah. you know, so you, well, like it's... Um, yeah. So I don't know if you have. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, then, then I can't really speak because I don't really know how UK funds their schools. But I will say, like, I mean, I guess, yes, I think we should feed kids. Obviously, we agree oh, yeah. on that one. Um, and then I, I um, but if people are worried about the food quality, I mean, then they need to worry about like how schools make money like I, I i assume that's a fairly large expense i could be wrong but like i would assume feeding a bunch of kids um and i mean i guess to be fair a lot of kids do pay for it it is only a small percentage that like get free lunches um but i would say the quality i mean it's better than when i was a kid <laughs> with looking at it but it still seems like a lot of the times crap in the sense that I don't, it seems like junk food, but again, I, I guess I ate junk food as for breakfast as a kid, but I, like sometimes I'll have kids in the morning and they'll bring their breakfast and it's literally like um, little, little pancakes with fake blueberries. So just like little pieces of bread with like candy and then yeah. syrup and then like apple juice. And then they get apples, but they usually throw the apples away and they just eat like, bread candy syrup, yeah which again i don't think it's really that healthy but again kids eat like shit so yeah that's know. the thing i know Sometimes. that and and someone I, I was reading some of the comments and someone brought up um jamie oliver and i don't know if you've um heard of him. of him he's like a yeah. chef and he did it like i don't know if it was a documentary or if it was a little series but i remember watching it years ago where he tried to go into some american schools and like he basically yeah. was just pointing out to them like hey we can actually feed all of these kids higher quality food for less money if we just do yeah. this. And, and like kind of was seeming like the result was like, oh, like the people working in the kitchens don't want to do all of that. <laughs> so yeah. like it wasn't implemented. And then I think there may have been factors of like food storage, right? In the sense that like the what, at least how schools are sort of set up now is they kind of like, it's whatever they have, like the big freezers where they can put, x amount of food that will last them so long and it's easy to produce and with a really quick turnaround yeah um 
Because that's another thing that's maybe not accounted for too much, at least when, especially when we're considering the uh, the in school situation, right? There's, it's, I guess it's different. It, you would consider it differently if you're doing like the meals on wheels if it's being delivered. Um, but there is like at a school, it's like you have X amount of lunches, and then like things need to be turned around really quickly between the lunches in the sense like, okay, well we need to have more food ready to go for the next round of people. We need to have things kind of cleaned up before the next round of people are in here, so on and so forth. And that can be between, I mean, if it's a smaller school, you can have, you know, like one, two lunches pretty easy, but bigger schools have, you know, three or four. And then so you're just kind of having to do that again and again. And that's why they, they get to the point where, I know like when you and I were going to high school, I'm, I'm sure that they don't have that set up anymore based on like the nutrition stuff that they, they were trying to pass. But like, remember you, Oh, you go to this window and you get pizza. You go to this window, you can get a cheeseburger. You go to this window, you can get like subway pre, you know, prefabricated subway sure. sandwiches. And here you can get chicken tenders and French fries. Like we had options and stuff. I mean, that was to be fair. Like that was all you, you either had credits in, in whatever school card or you were paying for it in cash or whatever the situation was. Um, so I don't know, I guess what the, like the, the free lunch program was like at our school, mm. it may have been like, Oh, here's a subway sandwich and you can choose right. between chocolate or regular milk or something. I don't know. I but, know on our, at our middle school, currently the free run, you just, cause we have options at, at the middle school level. So it's the same kind of deal where there's like four different windows, three different windows. But I think the kids who get free lunch they can just get whatever they want but it's not and like they can get like one whatever like hamburger or whatever comes with a hamburger and a drink or whatever it is but they, you know they can't just like endlessly go back in line but um yeah i don't know I, I, to circle back to your healthy stuff i do think we offer a healthy choices or at least i i think we might but it, you know much like american society in general the kids always just choose to eat the crap so, so i don't really know like i don't know what this solution is there other than to restrict their choices um right. but i remember people got really mad like uh, uh, michelle obama's one of her initiatives or whatever whatever the uh, um you know um first lady always has those kind of initiatives her one of her things was to make school lunches healthier and i remember when i started my job i had kids complain about how Michelle Obama was making their taking away their cheesy sticks and they were mad. <laughs> and like, I'm like, I, you know, I, so I don't know what the solution is there really. Yeah. I would say personally, we should just remove the unhealthy choices. Um, I know we removed soda machines for that reason in our right. schools. Um, and a lot of people say like, well, that's restricting people's freedom. Well, but it, it, I kind of also, yeah. And I, and I, you, I would definitely like, yes, it is. But at the same time, I don't think, and I, you can see this in our schools. Like, no one is restricted from bringing that to school. Right. Like, hey, if you yeah. want to, if you want to have a soda, your parents buy it for you, or you, or you know, you buy it yourself. Like, you can bring that. We just aren't going to sell it here. Just like you right. know, we aren't teaching everything here. We aren't letting you do whatever you want, right? Like, there's a certain right. purpose to this facility. And, you know, and part of it, and I, th- I think this is a part that could actually take more attention is like, we want to produce healthy people, right? So I think yeah. that, that that step, even though I would agree, like when we were kids, because I think they were wanting to phase that out. Like, I don't know if they were able to before we graduated, right? Like the soda machines and stuff. Because I remember like, you know, we could go during passing period, like they had the Pepsi right. machines and whatever else. I feel like that might have been gone our senior year, but... I think at the same time, like, okay, well now we don't have the vending machine, but at lunch they still sold it. So like, you could, so it's like, okay, well, I just got to wait till lunch now. Um, but, uh, and I can remember being like, that sucks. That's stupid. That's lame that we can't have that. But it's like, ah, like either the older, and this, I guess is this the little bit of that old man syndrome or just as you age, you're like, oh no, that just makes, that makes sense. Right. Right. Like again, like you aren't, stop from doing like from bringing it like you can still if you have a job you can buy it yourself if your parents are willing to buy it for you you can bring it now that's where it might become an issue right is if um like schools like just banned it outright then i think that would be a problem but like to just not serve it is perfectly fine like hey like yeah we don't we don't sell sodas here we don't have them um for the students uh, but then a the, the little bit that gets hypocritical is like i haven't been at a school where one of those machines is not in the, the break room. 
teacher's right? lounge, the, the yeah, teacher's yeah. break room. So it's like, oh, they're, they're still on campus. Yeah. And, and I guess they're just like, well, it's, you know, it's the adults that are allowed to buy it or whatever. So, um, but at the same, I mean, you know, so there is that if, if the, if you make it completely based on like the purchase thing, if the students come to school with a buck and they want to buy, you know, a Coke, then why shouldn't they be able to, again, like there's one thing like, yeah, we don't give them out for free. But like, why not allow them to be sold? Like, I think there's, you can, you can bring that up and that there's a fair point to be made there. Or at the same time, if I were a parent now, like I'd probably rather them not have that easy access to that stuff. Right. So I do get it. No, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, personally, I do think it shouldn't, I think it should not be sold in schools. Yeah. I even would go so far as like, I, we should probably stop selling juice. It should be like milk or water. <laughs> Yeah. Personally, well, and then I think I you think, could even make an argument yeah. against at least like the chocolate milks and stuff yep. like that. It's like, hey, no, we just have like a kind of like standard, maybe not like, you know, um, fat free milk, but like whatever, 2% or something that's in there, even if it's uh, how fat it's like, hey, it's milk, it's got protein and other like, you know, nutritional value, sure. You've got water, just keep you hydrated. Um, I mean, maybe if they were willing to do some of the more like, honest juices that are like yeah there's no sugar added to this so we can but that's i think right. a slightly more expensive venture but hey that's worth it i think ultimately if you just want to have that variety um yeah uh at the same time like you still see like the different lunches that they do give out and it's still oh, yeah. like, you still got like the, the standard pizza days and the, yeah. the hamburger cheeseburger days um where it's not like the most healthy options no and all at the same time, like just, and this is, is, is deviating a little bit, but like even just like general health doesn't seem to be promoted that much at academic institutions, right? Like where it's like, oh, like we don't actually really promote um, mm -hmm. like a healthy relationship with exercise. And this is something we talked about a few weeks ago, I think as it related to uh, some of the self-help things, but like, because like when you have either the PE programs at a lot of school these days, physical education um, is either completely uh, ignored, right. Or, or uh -huh. under motivate or however you want to call it. Right. Just for the gen general population of the school. It's like, Oh, like, yeah, you come to gym, but you don't have to do anything. Right. Or it's maybe so rigid where no one enjoys it. Like are the people yeah. who like would still benefit from, you know, a daily exercise thing. It's like, no, this is horrible. <laughs> like this, I, I don't yeah. like any of it. Um, so like we, there's not like a healthy relationship with health that's developed in, I think a lot of uh, secondary schools, at least in this country, I don't know how it is elsewhere. And I'm yeah. sure that there are schools that are much better about it. And maybe that's, again, that's a cultural or a community thing where like health is just, it's a bigger priority within the, the larger community. So that just gets into the school. So people are like, oh, you know, yeah, we have all these great programs that we, you know, instead of a gym class, we actually, we, we, our school is right next to a lot of hiking trails. So we just go for like, you know, we walk for 45 minutes and we're outside yeah. in nature and that's great. Like, cause I think we kind of had that. I remember in elementary school, like, I don't know if you guys did that as much at like down there in Alpenglow, but it, it, you know, in Ravenwood, they just had like that whole little foresty area around. And every once in a while we would either do like snowshoeing just around the, the deal or just we like, Oh, let's go walk in the woods. Kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, there's bears and moose that might be out there depending on the time of the year. So they may have stopped doing that. I don't know, but like, it was nice yeah. when we had it. Sure. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, no disagreement. I think having more variety for students to find like the type of exercise that they enjoy would be awesome. And I, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I have some, I, I, I think I said it in the, in the last time we talked about it, but I do sometimes wonder if caring about health is one of those things that you realize when you're older that it's hard to conceptualize when you're younger and you're just like, why do I have to do this? I hate this. I'm fine. Like, yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's very true. And that's where I think, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily on the school like well, at a I, level, I, but I, I think that the uh, academic, especially because like, students are forced to be there for sure. eight hours a day that they need to be mindful of all of that. That like, okay, if the kids, and I think that's the thing that kind of bums me out now as, uh, you know, being more in secondary schools is they don't have 
like that free, like general free time to actually, they don't have recess, right? They, for mm-hmm. whatever reason that goes away when you get into uh, middle school, high, I think you still kind of have it a little bit in middle school, but it's almost just completely gone in high school, most high schools. Like you don't have like recess times. Like, oh no, like you have your lunch time and you can do recess in there. I mean, and again, they right. don't call it recess. Um, but when we were, when you're a kid, when you're at elementary school, you're playing on the jungle gym, you're playing touch football, like you're running around because you're given an actual like recess time. Like, hey, this is your right. time to go out and just um, be active. Right. Sure. And, and I think they, they, they try to substitute like, well, they have PE. It's like, well, that's not the same. It's not the same as like free play. And I think that free play, uh, this is something that Jonathan Heights talks about in his book, right? Calling an American mind. And I think this is something that we lose as adults that I think that we need to just, because we do stifle it in high school a little bit. Sure. Where it's like, hey, I think all of us need to engage in like that free play idea. We're like, hey, like just go outside. You've got 45 minutes, at least 45 minutes, right? Or maybe you give them 60, like that whole NFL play 60 initiative, like be outside just and enjoy it, right? And even if it's, because I think there's even merits to like just, even if you're going to sit outside on a bench and read, that's better than like holding up in uh, a classroom playing on your phone or whatever again like that's or even reading right so i got just you're getting a little bit of vitamin d you're you're, you have fresh air at the same time i understand that not all places can do that for the entire school year because you've got weather issues to take into account um but i know even with uh you know you and i like we were actually pretty much up until our senior maybe we got a little bit lazier in our senior year but like we would run around during our break time in high school right where we were playing hacky sack and and chasing each other or whatever else um and we were able to do that kind of burn off some of that energy that's sort of been pent up for the first part of the day and then also whatever was built up with whatever crappy food we were eating um that mentality like taking away that free play taking away that that opportunity to be active on your own sure right is a a kind of a bummer to see when i don't know well uh let me think i know at some of the high schools i've worked around because i haven't worked directly in a high school they still have like this like yeah it's like lunch but they can go outside because there's a lot of the schools around here have like outdoor common areas Mm -hmm. sort of some of them have like basketball hoops and stuff but i feel I'm even trying to think when we were in high school because we I mean you yeah we definitely did but is it like does that become and maybe I'm wrong here but like I felt like a lot of kids didn't and a lot of what kids did in high school was like stand around and talk um and we didn't really have cell phones then but it was like stand around and, and talk and is it because that like that kind of play is seen as sort of uncool or childish in a way I not and I don't, I, again, I personally value what we did and I don't have, I don't view it that way, but um, I'm just trying to think of like the typical, typical sort of high school student. Does it become like, oh, you're acting like a little kid? Um, yeah. And so yeah, there, I think there definitely might be a social stigma around it, but um, for, for what I've witnessed here, and I guess I don't know how it, they're doing it up in Colorado and I don't know, hopefully they hadn't changed it in Alaska. Uh, but here, like they only give them like they're only because they're only required to give them sure. like the 30 minute. Hey, you've got your 30 minute allocation to eat your food. Like that's the only like break in the yeah. day we're required to give you. So yeah. and, and sometimes I mean, for bigger schools or whatever else, like you understand like, hey, like we we got a tight ship to run. So we just kind of uh, need to move along. Right. Um, that's not, that's just not enough time. Like right. that's barely yeah, enough no. time to eat. You know, so yeah. it's like, hey, like, if yeah, we want them to eat, but we want them like it's a they should be able to take a little mental break, even yeah. if it is just to to sit around and if they choose to do nothing or just talk with their friends, right. like that's that should be fine. Um, right. So, again, yeah, I don't so, know. I just yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I say like so. We, I mean, there's a little bit of a deviation. So just talking about a health thing in general, but. Um, I, I, yeah, I, no. I wish that there was more opportunity and access for all that. And going back to even like the food thing, like <clears throat> I think that it would almost also be nice, like on a larger level with, when you have those families in need and I understand that we do have other welfare programs and like the food stamp kind of things. 
and, and maybe this is a point where you could say this would be a governmental, th- like could be a governmental thing. I think that there's opportunity also just for like a, um, you know, uh, a benevolent kind of benefactor here to like chip in and be like, Hey, like we actually have this program where if you sign up for it, if you're eligible, whatever, like we provide not just lunches, but like, Hey, here's like, they would maybe do one of those freshly things or like, Hey, here's the thing. Here's your meal. Like here's meals. Here's stuff to make healthy food for your, yeah. your family for a week. And you can just get that provided for by kind of like a charitable thing. And, and, and maybe, you know, I mean, I'm not promoting like the, the government side of it. Cause I think that they'll find a way to screw, screw it up. But um, you know, like, I think that, that that'd be cool for someone to like, develop or engage with or like hey like we we have one of these programs hey for every for every bundle you buy for yourself like we actually give the same bundle to another family in need or something like if, mm-hmm. if any of these companies got big enough that'd be nice because they have so many of these ones that are very health oriented now too right that it's very much like right. hey here's fresh produce here's fresh food it's quality food for people if you're counting their macros or whatever else it is um you would hope I'd, I'd be kind of nice to see if any of them get to a big enough point where they, they can kind of basically do a one for one. Uh, like, Hey, sure. like this goes to families that need them or, or goes to people that need them. And versus, cause that's, that's the thing when it comes to like a lot of the, the free, the free lunch things or like this, the, the charitable stuff that runs through schools or even through um, what do you call them? Like soup kitchens or just like shelters and stuff like that is it's usually, it's, it's very much like the lowest common that like, Hey, how can we make the most, the most food for the most amount of people. So within that, you are going to lose quality, right? No, I think, um, no, I agree. I agree with everything you said. I think that would be very cool. I was thinking about a different, a different thing that uh, kind of an underlying thing we're kind of talking about, which is sort of like this idea of like schools working to instill values in students. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've had this thought for a while that I, I think it's a, what am I trying to say? It's working towards something good, something positive. I understand why they want to do it. But in my experience on the ground, kids get most of their values from their parents. And if their parents have bad values, they're just going to not, the school isn't going to instill in them as much as we think it is going to, or as much as we hope it would. And I don't know what to, I don't have any good solutions for that. I don't know how to like, sort of kind of like um, the best, uh, you know, like um, the most mature outlooks on life or how life works or the or goals or like things they want to work towards are usually those with like better parents. <laughs> and the ones with like, di- who are dysfunctional, usually parents who have, you know, less positive values for whatever reason. Um, and again, I'm not necessarily, you know, where the parents probably got their values from their parents. I don't know where the cycle ends, but I don't know how we work on that part. Um, yeah. Well, then that maybe that, I mean, that brings us semi full circle and we can maybe sure. close up here shortly. Cause I think we, uh, we actually ended up getting a decent conversation out of this. Um, but is the idea of changing things on a more macro level, like culturally, right. Which I think is also right. required for like the end of conflict is, is maybe just being more, and this, again, I think this ultimately does still start with an individual or with the individuals, like the better you can make yourself, the better you can treat others, right? So on and so forth. Uh, and the better, like, again, the less inner conflict you have, the less you will project conflict on the, uh, onto sure. others, at least in my point of view. Um, and then culturally, if we can sort of, again, this is, is, it's, it's not something you can force, but you can maybe just start pushing things personally in that direction where you associate yourself with certain values that you think are more productive right towards like a better society right and then mm-hmm. like hopefully that kind of spreads because i think that we've almost had the the inverse of that happening in some capacity where uh some of the as opposed to the better angels of our nature it's the worst devils that have kind of taken root in in aspects of culture and have been if not incentivized or encouraged, but like they're, they're at least allowed to slide, like, you know, and maybe we're allowing that too much just as, as, as uh, even just within very small communities, right? Like people just let things go mm-hmm. and, you know, you don't want to get too strict on it. Just like we said, we don't want to get too strict with uh, the, the schools or, or whatever else, because you do want to have the, the liberties there. Um, 
but you know, maybe just being more starting, starting with being more self-aware, right? Like, Hey, like, what am I doing to basically propagate my bet? And this goes even back to the atomic habits thing for a few weeks. Sure. Like, hey, like what bad habits am I engaging in that I should try to stifle and then moving outward? Like, Hey, what bad habits am I engaging in? Um, like with other people that I'm encouraging, like more bad habits, Right. And uh, I think that there are there's large aspects of popular culture that we kind of maybe are too um, forgiving of, whether that's it's the, the you know, we, we can say it's the violence in movies and video games. And I don't want to you know be one of those big sensorial types where it's like, yeah, we need to have less of this because I think that there is merit to them or entertainment value there or the, the things that are talked about in a lot of music, which is very much directed kind of around excess right and then that, that sure. becomes highly valued like oh i want to live in you know in a big house i want to drive fancy cars i want to have all the gold around my neck or whatever else um you know stuff like that and then we've we've let that become uh, and again this goes back to last week's where like we as a society this was nothing forced on us but like we've just kind of let it seep into other things right We're like oh cool now we'll just let like that maybe what was considered deviant behavior before is now sort of something to be desired because it gets you all this fancy stuff, right? Or at least you can make the association, right? Whether it's through, because um, I know like that's even one thing that I saw with, I've heard from certain students and this is people who have maybe seen Scarface too many times or Breaking Bad where they can see like, oh, well, you know, I can do, I can kind of get into the, the crime game, whether it's narcotics or whatever else. And sure. these people were making a bunch of money. So it's like this, all these associations um, that we get out there. It's like, ah, oh, you don't want to remove the stories because a lot of the stories are strong and they're good, but like people aren't taking away from them, maybe what they should. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, well, you're getting the wrong message out of this. Like, yeah. you know, Breaking Bad is a tragedy. <laughs> like this is a man yeah. who, who, who gave up um, everything in search for all of this prosperity and then end up, you know, dying alone in a meth yes. lab. So yeah. it's, um, it's like, you got to like, look at the whole thing, right? Or even the same yeah. thing, if I'm not, mis I've only ever seen Scarface once, but that also ends with him dying in a pretty violent fashion, right? Like, that's right. the thing that doesn't get like, you know, people don't bring that idea home. Like, yeah, usually these things don't end well. Like right. you might have some of the highest highs, but like you get to the worst of the lows. Right. But people are too focused on that. And this maybe goes back to the social media question where people are just presenting the highs, whether it's those influencers or whatever else. Like, hey, here's my awesome life that I live, but they don't show you the other crap that they deal with. And then some of that, again, the idea of the, the haves and the have nots is that's also a breeding ground for conflict in itself, going back to like the original issue. And I don't know, there's just like a lot of big societal issues that, Again, going back to the idea of it being an illusion, like I just, like, is, is there a, legi a legitimate solution for these things? And I just, I don't know if there is, at least not something that, that's like a snap of the fingers, right. let's make it happen kind of thing. No, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think there's a, I think the solution is, if there is one, probably complicated and multifaceted and mm -hmm. not something that could be distilled in sort of a, yeah, like you said, sort of a pithy sort of easy explanation. There probably is not. Clean I mean, room, I think, bucko. Yeah, I mean, I think American materialism in general or materialism in general, mm -hmm. of which there's probably a specific American brand, is one of those like, what do we? I mean, it's sort of built on capitalism where in a vacuum, capitalism is about acquiring. And I'm not an anti-capitalist by any means, but I would say there is no moral there's no moral, uh, there's no morals within capitalism. Capitalism is about accruing and like accruing, you know, within a, fr I guess in the American way, it's like within a framework of some rules, but it's like, get as much as you can by any means that you can. <laughs> and if it is, isn't, you know, try not to get caught if it is illegal. Well, I mean, and, I guess to push back sort on of that the purpose a, of a little bit is that the capitalism has also been like one of the greatest avenues to pull people out of of poverty right and then like the the best capitalism also is is beneficial to both parties involved right and, and with right. trade no, if you, mean, can, you can give someone something that they want and you get something you want out of it that works best for everybody and then you yeah, still do get the, the self-interested folks and the, the worst of it sure. right so that's that's what leads to uh i guess if you want to call it unbridled capitalism corporatism and that's also where you get things when it relates to, to crime right it's like oh well i can like, that's a, when people are legitimately committing crimes technically you could you could 
kind of go back, well, they're trying to get something. That's not capitalism because it's not trade, but it's just taking um, versus trading. <laughs> so No, I know. I mean, um, I, but I, I, I agree with you in the sense that uh, an aspect of, or a, if you want to call it, a, it's an aspect of it. I wouldn't say it's quite a side effect of, is is materialism, right? But I think materialism existed pre-capitalism as well. It, oh. I guess it, it, just, it just made materialism more viable for everybody, right? Versus materialism that was viable for the the royalty or the uh, the pre-existing elites. Like, oh, like yeah, I can have all this fancy stuff because I'm the pharaoh, I'm the king, I'm the emperor, right? right? Where they no, would, I mean, I... would be very material in, in their wants and desires. Um, and the capitalism is, is maybe actually for worse, spread that amongst more people where uh, maybe pre-capitalism, certain people were happy to have, like, I'm happy to have food on the table. <laughs> you know what sure. I mean? Sure. I mean, I, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you said. I mean, I, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an anti-capitalist. I think capitalism has, there have been good outcomes um, because of the capitalist system for a lot of people. I'm more speaking of, I mean, and I agree with you that I don't think capitalism causes materialism, but like you said, it may make it more accessible to everyone. Whereas materialism mm -hmm. back in the day was, yes, more rooted in like the, the very, you know, literal 1% um, who, who couldn't, who could afford everything and everyone else just, you know, works the fields. I'm just saying it doesn't provide um, a moral framework for which to live. It doesn't say anything about how, how are you to be healthy? Or, you know, I mean, and again, like, I guess you could argue that in some ways, you know, I mean, I mean, that's why soda sold for a long time um, was sort of a capitalist impulse. Like who gives a, uh, a crap about how these, what health effects it have? Same with cigarettes, same with, mm -hmm. you know, other various things. It's like, well, it's making us money. Who cares? But yeah. on the other hand, sometimes capitalism can be used brand was for making good. As well. Um, like now that healthy stuff has sort of caught on that mm -hmm. I would say in some ways, and maybe only for the weirdly enough, it is sort of an upper, upper class um, fad at the moment to like eat very healthily, be vegan, sort of um, consume consciously and all this stuff. And again, I, that goes into a whole nother can of worms where it's like, okay, is this only affordable to the rich, right? This is, well, si I'm sidetracking. And if we look at like sort of the history, and this is more within the last century of cap capitalism is that tends to be where it starts, right? It's like, right. okay, well, yeah, like automobiles were very convenient, but very like, you know, rare for everyone to have, but now it's, it's, they're pretty accessible, right? Like, right. or even having like the internet at certain points, like, oh, like only certain families um, were able to really afford it or not, or even have a computer in the home was a very, I mean, it, it's still maybe rare to a, um, to some extent, but most people now are also the same with smartphones. Like that used to be like a huge kind of rare thing. So it starts, it usually does start with the, um, whatever the top 1% or the elites yeah, yeah, yeah. were like, they're the first people to have it. But as, and this is actually one of the benefits I think of capitalism is when you um, uh, introduce competition is it drives those prices down where all that right. stuff is more accessible to people. And I think that I, I would hope that that would be like the future of this healthy movement. Um, Cause that's, I don't remember the name of the, the CEO, but it's the guy who runs or operates whole foods. Like that's one of his uh, deals is conscious capitalism. So you kind of brought, so it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, right now it's, Whole Foods or, you know, whatever those other markets, like, yeah, it's more expensive kind of food, but we're trying to produce like a quality product for people. And as you get more people, maybe who are attempting to do that, it will ultimately make that more accessible for everybody. And like, I would also hope that would be true. Like that's something I follow a little bit in the CrossFit community is like, they are very health-minded, although there are, you know, injury things to keep in mind, but there have been some um, efforts to, kind of drop like drive those prices down a little bit where if you have enough competition basically it forces those prices to be lower so it is more accessible to right. more people and they get all the benefits of, of the health of, of the benefit of the exercise and the awesome like healthy food so on and so forth and um, i i would add i mean i would add that in some ways at least in my personal life i actually even though i just said you know it is only accessible to the rich i also feel like that is in some ways an illusion now, what, and what I'm, and this goes like, I think if you cook for yourself and you, and you think ahead about the foods you want to eat, it actually is very affordable to eat healthy. Yeah. Um, but then that you have to have the time and the luck, like I, I assume that some people who 
who maybe are less well off don't really have the time to do those yeah, things. Yeah, there is the, the so luxury the luxury of time. And then there is, I guess what they refer to them as like food deserts is there are sections of the country where sure. it's, um, I think seemingly more like inner city stuff, but I'm sure you get this in certain rural parts that aren't as agricultural, maybe where like their access to like the, the produce just like, isn't, right. isn't easy. Right. So it's like, yeah, like, yes, if they can get to it, they can afford it, but it's like, they don't have a whole foods or even they don't have a Trader Joe's, right. they don't have a Vons, they don't have an HEB, they don't have a Fred right. Meyer or Safeway, like whatever. Food and it's like, oh, they have yeah. a bodega where like, yeah, they've right. got like, it's, yeah, it's the kind of stuff. Cause they, and there are like, you know, every once in a while I, I run across like a pretty well-stocked gas station where like, oh, like you can get milk here. They sell fruit. Like it's not like a bunch, but like you can create a healthy little meal from stuff at a store like that. But again, it's not uh, in abundance and, and it's not like usually the freshest of of those sure. items because it's like yeah it's stuff that's kind of meant to sit here for a little bit and um so on so anyway yeah i don't know good question yeah, so we had <laughs> a couple of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some questions and problems without solutions that's what we do yes. here on in full view <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and stop there. I think we've hit like just about an hour and my grandfather clock's about to be annoying again. So right. um, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here and then we'll, we'll catch you uh, crazy kids on the flippity flop. <laughs>